everybody. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast. Network. it is Friday, February 7th. By the time you're listening to this, it could be Saturday, February 8th. But nonetheless, no matter when you're listening to this or how you're listening to this, I do appreciate you stopping by as we will be talking today about the Vegas Golden Knights returning home for the first time in realistically, I want to say it's 28 to 29 days even though it's felt like about 28 or 29 years, but the Golden Knights will be returning to play hockey at this venue called T-Mobile Arena. I've never been to it. I, I don't know what it looks like. Uh, hoping that it uh, brings the Golden Knights some mojo playing in this gigantic fishbowl. Uh, but we will be discussing the Golden Knights and the Hurricanes matchup coming up tomorrow in a little bit and some lineup ideas that I've been tossing around in my head for the last 24 hours. We will all get to that today. But first, welcome again, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode. Before we break down the logistics and whatnot of this game, of this upcoming game tomorrow, uh, let's get the usual housekeeping items out of the way, shall we? I, I, I feel like that's important. Always feels important. Uh, If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, welcome to you. A hearty, hearty welcome to you. Uh, We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you consume said podcasting. You can follow the show on the old Twitter at Lockdown VGK. You can also follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. And if you like sending emails, because emails are always fun, send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com, would you? Any and all comments, whatever they may be, are greatly appreciated. So for the second time, and I want, and I suck at math, but I want to say for the second time in about eight days, the Golden Knights will be playing the Carolina Hurricanes. This time it will be the... I don't even know how you want to call this because it's technically not the home stand yet because they got to play the one game tomorrow at home and then they got to go to Minnesota and then they start a five game home stand. I really don't understand who thought that logistically made any sense because I was all excited to get back into work mode. Like, Oh, everything's going to be awesome. Going back to work, you know, doing this, doing that. And it's like, well, we got one game. And it's like, well, I got to wait a little bit more because now they got another road game in Minnesota. So what the hell, uh, what the hell is the point? I guess is the best way to put it. What the hell is the point? But what the point is, is that the Golden Knights will be coming into this game with a lot of momentum on their side. And not only with the momentum, It will be the first game behind the home bench for Pete DeBoer since he took over as Golden Knights head coach on January 15th. Once again, I'd like to point this out. The Golden Knights fired Gerard Gallant on January 15th in the first game of an eight-game road trip that was split up between the All-Star break and the bye week. This means that Pete DeBoer probably has not... Pete DeBoer has spent more time out of Las Vegas since he became the head coach than he actually has in Las Vegas. I mean, yeah, that, that is just weird. 
But the Golden Knights are coming into this game fresh off a 7-2 victory over the Florida Panthers on Thursday night. And it was a game that I really do believe was very much needed considering how close they were to beating Tampa. They really should be on a four-game winning streak, maybe a four-game point streak at this current point in time. Alas, what is more important is that the Golden Knights are 4-2-1 and one since Pete DeBoer took over as coach on the 15th, and they now enter a stretch where, if I do a quick count here, 10 of their next 12 games are at home. That is a very crucial stretch. And the reason why that is a crucial stretch is because the Golden Knights really have not figured it out at home this year. You figure they've won 53 games at home to this point. By winning 53 games at home in two years, I believe they are now down to a solid 14 through the first half of this season. So clearly, Home has not been where the heart is for the Golden Knights, but they will get that opportunity to right the ship in these next 10 out of 12. The other problem that the Golden Knights are going to have to figure out, and I think this is probably the most glaring stat you can find when it comes to this homestand that's coming up, the Golden Knights are playing, let's count it out, Carolina 1, 2, 3, 4, five, six, seven. They are playing seven teams out of their next five, six, seven home games that are against playoff position teams. So Carolina, St. Louis, New York Islanders, Washington, Tampa, Florida, Edmonton. They are all in a playoff position. That game on the 26th is going to be one hell of a barn burner. So me saying last week that these games that they that the Golden Knights failed to win last week would come back to bite them in a way you would feel a lot better knowing you could have racked up an extra two, three, four points in the standings, knowing that Murderer's Row is on the way. Once you get to February 13th, when you come back home after facing the wild and you have to play the blues. That that is going to be murderer's row. I don't know how many how many other ways I can say it. This is a very crucial stretch for the Golden Knights, who welcome a Carolina team that is coming that is alternate wins alternated wins and losses in its last five games, uh, wins over Winnipeg, Vancouver, and Arizona, but losses to Vegas and St. Louis. And Carolina is on the third game of a four-game road trip, which will conclude on the 11th at Dallas. So the Hurricanes are also in a position where they need to start winning games because the Eastern Conference wildcard picture is becoming a little bit stacked. I mean, you take a look just just by looking at the the Metro you have the Capitals still atop the league at 77, or not atop the league anymore. Boston's back on top at 78 points. But 77 points for Washington, 71 for Pittsburgh, 68 for the Islanders. The Blue Jackets won again tonight. So I believe they have leapfrogged the Islanders for third in the Metro. And then technically, and then there's Columbus, and then there's Carolina, and then Philadelphia is also there in the playoff race as well. So Carolina is a team that needs as many wins as it can muster uh, 
in these final, you know, however many games they've played to this point, they played 54 games. So 28 games left for, for, uh, Columbus. Um, they're going to need to start racking up some wins. So I would predict that the, that the hurricanes are going to be coming into tomorrow's game, a, a team on a mission, really. I mean, we kind of saw it when the Rangers played the Golden Knights about a couple months ago. If you recall that game where Vegas went into Madison Square Garden and really took it to them. I think it was 5-1 to one was the final. And then the Rangers came to Vegas the week, the week after and shut them out 5 nothing. So it is a very, 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 very good possibility that the Golden Knights are going to be facing a team that really wants to get back at them for getting their well not, they're not really getting their asses handed to them but vegas dominated that game for about 50 minutes and carolina probably knows that and they know that they can strike vegas at any time so big game coming up for both teams tomorrow eric Halla, unless he's a healthy scratch eric Halla will make his t-mobile arena debut uh, god I, I got i gotta look something up here real quick but it is going to be eric Halla's return to t-mobile arena since being traded to the Hurricanes in the offseason for Nicholas Waugh and a draft pick. The, you know what? I will put this out before I get to what I was going to say. It is a very good thing that Nick Waugh has developed into a somewhat stable fourth-line guy, if that makes any sense. Because if they traded Hollow for basically nothing and Waugh was just cooking in the AHL, I would not feel very good. (laughs) If you think about it, I would not feel very confident in how that trade ended if Nick Waugh was not on this roster right now. So good thing that he's performing to his capabilities. This, okay, this will be the first time Eric Halla skates at T-Mobile Arena for the first time since November 3rd, 2018. Three days later, he had the injury in Toronto. Here's the funny part about that. The opponent for the Golden Knights that night was the Carolina Hurricanes, and it was a Vegas win, and Eric Halla had two assists on the night. That's kind of hilarious, if you ask me. So Eric Halla, barring any sort of setback or healthy scratch, will return to Vegas tomorrow night to take on his former team, and... By all accounts, I would not be shocked in the least if Halla came out and had a decent game, maybe a goal, maybe an assist. Who knows? I, I do believe we will get the video package. If not, I would, I'd be very shocked, actually. So Golden Knights, Hurricanes, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at T-Mobile Arena. Big game for both teams, bigger game for the Golden Knights as they start this stretch where they are trying to really wrap, get back into comfortable positioning in the Pacific Division, as they are now two points back and in second place of the Vancouver Canucks. So here's what I wanted to address today, because we are now at the point where the Golden Knights have wrapped up their eight-game road trip. They are coming back home, and by all accounts, unless something major has happened along the way, it is almost, I would say, almost a guaranteed possibility that William Carlson and Cody Glass will be returning to the lineup soon, if not at least one of them tonight uh, facing Carolina. Now, here is where this gets a little tricky. Clearly, the Golden Knights are a much better team 
with William Carlson in the lineup, they're probably an even better team when you have William Carlson and Cody Glass in the lineup. That much is obvious. But the big question now, as we round into form heading into uh, this this long homestand, where do you put William Carlson and where do you put Cody Glass? You look at how the top line is doing right now. In, re- in regards to Paul Stasny centering with Jonathan Marchessault and Riley Smith, those three have been clicking very, very well as of late. And that, I think, is a good sign for Stasny. That is a great sign for Marchessault. Riley Smith is getting his whenever he can. Those three have been very good. Obviously, we know that the, the top line as we know it will be either Stasny centering with Stone and Pacioretty or Carlson centering with Marcheseau and Smith. So the question now becomes this. What do you do when they return to the lineup? And I've been thinking about it for the last you know, 24 hours as to what I think would be the best way to get the most out of this team, and I think I have found a solution. If you had everybody healthy going into, say, tomorrow, in tomorrow's game, if you had everybody healthy, this is what I would do. And I know it's, it might be a little crazy, but I think this is going to be the best lineup that Pete DeBoer is going to get with everybody healthy. I would do Stasny centering with Marsha and Smith. I would keep that line the same. I would then put Carlson with Pacioretty and Stone. Now, I have long wanted 81-71-61. I've been wanting that since the preseason, but 67-71-61 is a really good line. The reason why I would want that line on there is because I think you need to get William Carlson going in terms of scoring. Before he went down with his injury, I think he had one goal in 10 games or whatever it was. He was not producing. And part of that might have to do with how that line played under Gallant. Maybe part of that had to do with just that line in general. And those those three were not clicking. Carlson goes out, you move Stasny, and he's been fantastic with Smith and Marcia. We look at the success that Chandler Stevenson has had in the middle of Stone and Pacioretty, and you have to wonder what in the world could become of William Carlson if he were to even play a few more games with that line? We saw what Pacioretty and Carlson did together when they were paired up. If you remember earlier in the year, there was that moment where Gallant switched up uh, Marceau and Pacioretty. Marceau was with Stone, and I want to say at the time, I think it was Stasny on that line. Maybe they, Maybe it was a little bit different. I can't remember off the top of my head. But you'll remember those two, uh, Carlson and Pacioretty, were teamed up together. And there was an instance where I thought those two were playing their best hockey with, the, with playing with each other at the same time. Now, with the way Stone has been playing over, over the last number of games, the way Pacioretty turned it on before the All-Star break, I think the way you get William Carlson going is you play him in between those two. And if you can do that, one, you're going to have a hard time scoring on that line because that's a very good defensive line. And two, you get 
your top center going. Now, I know that Paul Stasny, you can put him anywhere, and he's a consummate pro, and he will gladly line up wherever you want him. But I would not touch that line until it got very, very bad. Uh, If 26 centering with 81 and 19 is not getting it done, I would be... Then I would pull the trigger. But right now, the way they've been playing the last few games, keep it rolling. Keep it rolling and put Carlson on that second line with Stone and Patch ready. And then your third line, Cody Glass centering, and I've been saying this for the last number of weeks now, Cody Glass centering with Chandler Stevenson and Alex Tuck. Now, Stevenson has been tremendous. It, I think I made, I made the, the, the comment the other day, and I, initially it was a joke, and it, I reserved judgment until the trade deadline comes and goes. But as of right now, even with Taylor Hall, even with anybody else that has been traded over the course of this season and even in the offseason, Chandler Stevenson might be the best trade acquisition that, is, that has been made in the league this season. He has been spectacular. He has 10 goals this season. He's been a very steady presence in the middle of Stone and Pacioretty. He does not think the moment is too big for him. His speed has been great. He's very good on the breakaway. He's very good on the penalty kill when he's been put on there. He has earned every bit of this uh, promotion that you can give him. Unfortunately, or not unfortunately, whatever way you want to look at it, it's just it's just too crowded. It's too crowded, and you have to move one guy down. And to me, unless you are really... Th- Going off the rails and you want to put Carlson and Glass together on the third line, which would be absolutely hysterical. I think I still believe the best possible production you're going to get going for the rest of this season is Cody Glass centering a third line with uh, Chandler Stevenson on the left and Alex Tuck on the right. I still believe that that is going to be the best way you the best line you're going to get out of Tuck. That's the best way you're going to get out of Glass and Stevenson can still what can still do what he does when he gets out in the open ice and when he uses his speed and his forecheck uh, to make a play or two on the ice. So there's my top nine. The fourth line it, th- that's where it gets a little bit tricky because you don't want to take away William Carrier for what he's done and how he's played this year. But I think the best line you can have is going to be Carrier, Wah, Reeves. Now, you have to figure out how you're going to establish the PK. I'm, I, I think that's the biggest, the, the biggest question you'll have as your second penalty-killing unit. You probably would want... I know, I know you'd rather have Nosek or Eakin. I think you can interchange both of those guys at center, so at least you have somebody on the second PK unit with I, I would say Stone. So whether you have no second Stone in the second PK or it's Egan and Stone, whichever you want to go, you can probably interchange the center spot between Wa, Nosek, and um Egan. But I I just I've loved what Nicholas Wa has brought to this team whenever he's gotten an opportunity. When he's gotten a chance to make a play, he's almost made one eye, eye-popping play every game that he's played this season. He's been that good. I love what he brings to this team. And again, 
that's not an indictment on him. It's just this is why Vegas is so stacked at center right now. And it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. That's why I think any trade that the Golden Knights make to this point, it's going to involve one of those three. And for their sake, I hope it's not I hope it's not Waugh. Because he's been so good. And he's been so good in the face-off circle. He's been so good when they've gotten in the offensive zone. He's driven the offense for that fourth line. And if you put Carrier back on there with Waugh as a not necessarily an elite playmaker, but he is, you know, he's good enough with his hands that he can make a play happen. I mean, you saw it against Nashville, that goal he's that goal he scored, one setting up Reeves, who was trailing the play, and then collecting the rebound and flipping it over Rene. That was a fantastic play. So you're left here with figuring out how those three intertwine, and quite frankly, I think that's the best way to go. If you believe if Waugh can do some damage on the PK, then there's your answer with Waugh and Stone uh, as your second PK unit. And I think that that has got to be the way that you got to go. And again, if it doesn't work, then you then you mix it around. You know, Eakin slides in here one day, Nosek slides in one day. I just think Nicholas Waugh has earned an opportunity to be on this roster going into the playoffs. I think he's just done a tremendous job in every facet that he's gotten. Um, that he's gotten to play. So that would be my forward core once everybody gets healthy. And again, I know that, you know, you're, I know it's kind of crazy to say, okay, top line is now led by Stasny, but God, they've been so good since, uh, since they've been put together a few games ago, they've been very, they've been that good. And I think you get Carlson going with uh, stone and patch That's going to unlock your top six potential that has been desperately needed over the course of, God, how long has it been? About a month now. So that's how I would set up my forward core. Don't even get me started on the defense pairings. I have absolutely no idea what what DeBoer would do. Um, I do think Zach Whitecloud has earned an opportunity to get some more playing time, which should not be an indictment on Nick Haig, but Zach Whitecloud has been very good, and I think he should get some more playing time, especially as the right-handed defenseman. If you feel comfortable enough to go with uh, White Cloud and Haig as your third pairing right now, I mean, okay, <laughs> but it might not be the best idea. I I personally feel like, you know what? Go for it. Just go for it. Be all great. It would be great. Um, but yeah, that is how I would dress the forward core unless obviously Vegas makes a trade, which I don't envision them making a trade for a forward unless there was somebody out there who could just be like, hey, you know, we'll take this guy. Um, I'm primarily looking at the Minnesota wild and looking at Jason Zucker, that that would be my top priority. If he were on the block, I don't know who's on the block right now for when it comes to NHL trade stuff, but that is who I would roll as my top 12 with the fourth line center interchanging back and forth. So, uh, look around the league, (laughs) four games, four games, man, four games. This is my kind of look around the league. The Buffalo Sabres won. Yesterday I was riding off the Buffalo Sabres. They won la- they won tonight. 3 to 2 over the New York Rangers. And God help the Rangers. I thought they were going to make a run with all that talent they got. Man, it has been a it has been a uh, very up and down season for the Rangers, but a 3-2 victory for the Sabres. Uh the fire the uh, torches and pitchforks uh in Buffalo have frozen, but the good people of Buffalo will not put them away anytime soon. The Columbus Blue Jackets, man, I'm telling you what, (laughs) 
The Blue Jackets are so fun, man. They are such a fun team to watch. Mm -hmm. Two to nothing. I know it's against Detroit, but Elvis got another shutout. He's been unbelievable. The Blue Jackets with 69 points, one, two, three, nice, are now in third in the Metro. Two points behind Pittsburgh for the second spot. If you were to tell me that Columbus would be in a playoff spot right now, and Florida just got jumped by Toronto in the Atlantic because Toronto won against Anaheim tonight. Toronto jumps Florida, and the Rangers are second to last in the Metro. If you were to tell me before the season that the Blue Jackets would right now, at this current point, be the lone team after everything that happened this summer involving Panarin and Bobrovsky to be in a playoff spot right now, I would try and take your money. And I think any, any sensible person would try and take your money. What the Blue Jackets are doing right now is absolutely incredible. And I almost want to look at their schedule real quick because I think they're on another 10-game point streak. I, I, I want to say they are. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They are on another 10-game point streak. Incredible. Incredible. They are on another 10-game point streak. It is ridiculous what the Blue Jackets are doing. And, man, if that if that Elvis goaltender can... Oh, man. I, I want to see Columbus, man. Give me Columbus in a playoff series against Pittsburgh. I, it would be awesome. That might be, the, that might be the series of the first round. That might be the series of the first round. They have been unbelievably fun to watch. It's been awesome. Uh, mentioned the Maple Leafs beating the Ducks 5-4 to four in overtime. Uh, Jason Spezza scored a goal. That was something. Did not expect Jason Spezza to score a goal. He actually gave... Tampa or Tampa gave Toronto a four to three lead with about three minutes ago. And then Derek Grant tied it with 58 seconds left in regulation. Cause of course they did. And then John Tavares, uh, with the game winning goal. I want to say that was with seven seconds left in right in overtime. Holy crap. Uh, Austin Matthews, uh, his 40th goal of the season, Mitch Marner, uh, with a two assist night, uh, giving him 43 assists on the season. Tavares actually had two goals. Actually, Marner had a three-assist night. My bad. Uh, 4.9 for Matthews, 3.9 for Tavares, three-assist night for Marner. And the Ducks are the Ducks. God bless the Ducks. And finally, in your final game, look around the league, I think, if I had it. Yeah. Actually, no, this game's still going on. Minnesota and Dallas tied at two heading into the third period. Uh, the Wild hoping to build off their big win last night against Vancouver, now on a back-to-back in Dallas. Uh, Minnesota hopefully to uh, right the ship and kind of creep back up into the playoffs, the playoff uh, situation, which I believe if they were to win tonight, they would be at 58 points, which would not be that far off from the second wild card. So here come the Wild, and God help us if anybody wants to see them. Well, even though Vegas will see them in a couple of days then that will be a big game going, going into Tuesday. So that will do it, ladies and gentlemen, for this late Friday episode. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing, subscribing, all that jazz. We will be back Monday to break down what the hell happens between Vegas and Carolina. We'll get you ready for the game against Minnesota on Tuesday. And probably on Tuesday, it will be a post-game pod, uh, much like it has been for the rest of the week. So, Thank you guys for tuning in and have a great weekend. 
I am Danny Webster. I almost forgot my name. <laughs> this is Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And I will see you Monday. Have a good one.